Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman. And I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears. We've brought our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. This week, we talked to David Orr, CEO at Resident Hotels, about the pickup in trading their city centre hotels are enjoying, how to get international travel restarted, the importance of reputation, and whilst the enthusiasm and energy to get back out there to consume and deliver hospitality are present, there remains a responsibility to wider society to approach with caution. And welcome to another episode of New Tricks, the regular podcast from New Dog PR. Thank you for joining us, for lending us your listening ears. Um, So today we have Catherine, fresh from Paris. Hello, Catherine. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you, very well. A weekend has been had. It has. And also joining us, David Orr, CEO of Resident Hotels. David, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? Uh, Good morning. I'm I'm fine considering Monday morning and all that, (laughs) but... uh, yeah, we're, we're maybe less optimistic in London than Paris, but uh, happy nonetheless. Well, we shall come on to that. We shall come on to that. Um, but first, news, breaking news, thanks to the Daily Mail this weekend. Um, Catherine, I don't know how you're feeling about this uh, imminent closure of the MS. Do tell, do share the MS stores. What's the latest? How are you feeling? Well, after nine glorious months of what the Express is calling the EU blockade, um, we now ha- uh, it seems that the M&S stores in Paris are finally going to close um, due to having nothing in them anymore um, and not for a while now. Um, so I did dash out this morning and bought a lot of stuffing because stuffing is the one thing we discovered that you, you cannot find anywhere else. The French have no idea why you would have just like tiny bags of grit that you reanimate with, uh, with hot water and then eat. So... <laughs> So weirdly, um, so you can't get it anywhere else. So I did get lots of that um, and not lots of anything else because there isn't anything else there. So bye. But um, but as we know, it's it's an EU blockade and um, and and demand. Probably I, I saw I was in London this weekend and I saw that demand was the excuse for, for them not having things on the shelves in the UK. So um, so it must be demand over here. Yet, yet you are demanding things, and others like I you are de- demanding I am things. Dem- and those things cannot be demanded, it seems. Okay. So no, so no. I was confused because it seems that during the pandemic, people weren't eating or using like rubbish collections or anything like that at all. And then after the pandemic, they were demanding these things, and that's why there's no one to do them in the UK. Sad times. I thought that was. I thought that was very convincing. Mm-hmm. Does this, does this uh, equate to, uh, oh, we, we were in Isla for a few days and there were no cucumbers in the stores in Isla. Do you think it's part of the same yes, thing? Yes, I think it's because no one was eating cucumbers in the pandemic and then you went and demanded the cucumbers and that has caused a problem. Is this also a result of excessive gin and tonics at five o'clock each day during the pandemic? No, it couldn't have been because there were limes and lemons at that point. Ah, oh, there we are, you see. But now people have moved on to cucumbers, demanding them. Mm-hmm. Mm, be less demanding. Hendrix. Isn't the Hendrix the gin that you have cucumbers with? I think. Maybe. I don't know. Is it? Mm. I, I'll try. I, don't know. I, I like the top. I like yeah. the little cork top. I'll search it up. We'll see. Mm, do. Do. David, how was your summer? You mentioned the trip to Isla. Did you, yes, did you enjoy some tourism this summer, some travel, some hospitality? What did you do? How easy was it? 
I think we were we were we were very lucky. We got some super weather, and we went up to Isla via Liverpool. Stayed in Liverpool for an evening, which was very nice, and then and then carried on the journey. It was very very much uh, sort of driving and going to places in uh, in Scotland as well before coming back down. So quite a nice sort of twelve days or so, and certainly a break from the. Uh, if you like the walking through what were for many many months the very quiet streets of London, um, so it was a very different experience altogether. And uh, yeah, the kind of the uh, my, my daughter's recognition of trees and things like that in the countryside and animals, wall spotting, was all quite. It was entertaining for a period of time, put it that way. Maybe maybe not <laughs> one a day or, day or two, but uh, no, it was it was good. But it also. Like the cucumber story, the Isla and other other shelves in uh, throughout Scotland is really tough for the industry to be able to um, really recover its 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 poise in a way because obviously a huge amount of demand on on a, a much trickier situation for being able to service that. Um, so that, that was that was noticeable. So I suppose quite quite a lot of the time you felt like you felt like you wanted to intervene and ensure that uh, guests or customers and places actually were reasonable to the teams that were trying to deliver in very trying circumstances. We've read a lot about that in the press, haven't we? That sort of shutters up, pent-up demand, splurges forth and quite high levels of expectation then come into, uh, let's not use the word conflict, but come into, um, (laughs) are met with teams that haven't necessarily been, you know, they have large majority large large parts of those teams have been on furlough um what's your experience we haven't even got onto biscuits yet we must come back to biscuits at some point but what's your um how are you dealing with that at resident have you how are you kind of managing customer expectation keeping the teams um ticking over and like passionate and hungry to go back out there and be hospitable I mean, it's it's definitely been uh, such a challenging and extended period of time, particularly with, as as everybody would share, the the second lockdown really was very very difficult because there was a great hope that post uh, Christmas and with the rollout of the vaccines that there would be um, a quicker a quicker uh, reopening, if you like, and that was certainly held by. That was very difficult. I think the main the main thing has been trying to be. Um, Fair and supportive throughout. Uh, we're very fortunate that the the owners and shareholders have been very very supportive. Our teams have been really great, um, keeping in communication to a reasonable level, but also working uh, well through you know things that will help in terms of career development, learning online, various things like that. And so there's been some good initiatives, but I think fundamentally it's really the 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 realization that you know for guests and for team members it's been a big challenge reopening so kind of as long as everybody communicates peer to peer mutual respect and that is understood then actually the experience have been pretty pretty good really um, within within the hotels we're delighted that uh, the guest response has been gen- generally and genuinely uh, very very positive and i think that's probably you know fair for, for the vast majority, I think there probably are those some isolated, isolated incidents where there is a bit of a mismatch between ex- reasonable expectations. Um, but we, you know, we obviously focus very much on a um, kind of heartfelt uh, home from home approach, and so that uh, really does 
I think has has fitted quite well with people kind of emerging back into getting some sort of travel and back into some access to cities. There was a sort of sense that that actually the resident is really um, that kind of place. It's not it's not trying to be um, a lifestyle brand with sort of ultra throbbing bars inside the hotels. That's that's the localities rather than the hotels themselves. So we've been really trying to sort of just provide a bit of that enclave. Um, and people can hopefully get the enjoyment from their engagement with uh, the cities that we're, we're in. And post post summer, how are you find, or how's the how are your hotels finding the return? Are you still seeing a huge enthusiasm for leisure? I was in London at the weekend, and lots of people seem to be leisuring it up. Although I wasn't sure whether they secretly lived there as well, and it was just a case of ice creams available and it's sunny. I mean, I think that the the it is it's, it's obviously. Um, very domestic uh, UK access back into London, perhaps maybe when people hadn't necessarily had that on the agenda normally. Um, so, the, but the enjoy, there's a lot to there is a lot to enjoy clearly in the cities. A lot of things are open, and uh, I think that uh, you know people people have been enjoying it. Whether it's a whether this is a a really extended sugar rush, as it were, um, of pent up demand. I think that very quickly we'll find out um, what the sustainable position is going to be. Um, I mean, certainly what we can sense is that uh, there are far, far more people back at work now in central London than there have been for a, a very long time. And, and it, it's really happened quite quickly um, over the last few weeks, uh, three weeks particularly, maybe it's been, you can see that the uh, footfall and, you know, everybody's been in sort of got themselves or whatever some sort of blended version of business attire or whatever. Um, and uh, so it's it's certainly much, much more active. And, you know, we're obviously hopeful um, that that's a, a good sustainable uh, pattern rather than, as I say, a sort of sugar rush. Because I think that sometimes the unlockings, there was a sort of spike of demand that happened quite quickly that didn't necessarily last. Because fundamentally, you know, the, the, the nation and, and actually many, many nations, whatever anyone's personal view on risk is, um, we've been universally uh, told to be very scared about going out. Um, so in kind of unscaring people, that, that's, that's, that's going to be um, much more, remain much more challenging. Um, but, you know, I think that the, the, the signs hopefully are that uh, certainly from our hotel business is that there's, there's very good positive response to coming back in and, um, rediscovering the cities and uh, you know but it's, it is it is leisure but uh, international travel needs to come back in meaningful manner for London particularly still. And what's the best way to achieve that do you think? The reopening or, or, or international travel? Or, mm. I mean I, I, there, there, it seems to me to me it feels a little bit quiet on one or two of the things where everyone's become a bit of an amateur doctor or scientist over the last <laughs> period of time. There's been a bit quiet about, you know, so deep dives into efficacy and uh, how much control over or how much mitigation of infectiousness, et cetera, happens. Um, you know, the advice certainly that we got right at the very outset was that the, the most significant thing is the aerosol transmission, even with the pre prior variants. Um, and, uh, you know that there, there are still very high infection rates. You know clearly in the UK, and there and there are challenges, big challenges um, for the NHS. So I suppose it's um, for, you know if, if if the vaccines are as effective as it seems that they are, then 
it would be interesting to hear a bit more about how that can help um, a, re a return to international travel. Um, you know, that it is still quite complicated coming back from Berlin just a couple of weeks ago. It, it does require a little bit of uh, uh, paying attention to how you, you manage to negotiate your way through all the forms and make sure you've done the right thing. And, yeah. and, and even with that kind of focus on it, you know, if you were doing that for, with a family or if you were doing it like regularly, it's quite, those things seem like, um, you know, potentially greater obstacles than are needed if vaccinations are as effective as they, as they seem to be. I was very struck at the weekend I came when I came out from Paris into the UK on Friday night that our flight was significantly delayed taking off because of the number of people ahead of me who hadn't filled out any of the forms that were required to get into the UK, which I thought was very curious because EasyJet are very good about emailing people every 15 seconds to say, you're going, you need to do this, you're going, you need to do this. And, uh, and I had done that and people were you know, we would delay for 45 minutes because they said, oh, it's okay, we're not taking off without you. Um, and they were shuffling people to the side and they were busy on their phones. Um, and they appeared to have no clear idea that they should be doing this. They were British having left, you know, it's a classic run through to Disneyland, um, this particular flight. And they were all coming back and they had no idea what had happened. And I wondered, obviously, this message isn't getting through or whatever message it is that needs to come through isn't getting through. Um, they were traveling, so it's not hindering international travel. It's just hindering those who are traveling with them. Um, <laughs> but uh, on the way back in, people were more aware. But on the way back in, you're only asked to provide your um, proof of vaccination, your your vaccine passport. Um, I was wondering um, with the news this weekend, as Emily said earlier, that apparently the UK is not going to follow Macron down the vaccine passport route. Um, whether your staff would have been interested in asking people for vaccine passports, whether that adds a layer of reassurance, or whether you think it adds a layer of scaredness because you're reminding people that they have something to vaccine passport about. Yeah, I mean, certainly within the, I mean, I suppose the thing is, you know, as as ever, we now, now I think it is it tomorrow that we're going to hear the government's latest. Uh, oh, is that the new plan? New plan yeah, day? I think, I think it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have to wait. I, be, I, mean, I better have, read the Telegraph then. <laughs> we have had to. We have had quite a lot to respond to, and and uh, over time, I think that what we've we've taken the view still to be relatively cautious uh, within the hotels to to continue to. Uh, to basically implement practices which were perhaps might be regarded as overly uh, cautious uh, at the moment. But that's because really still fundamentally people who are traveling are quite uh, comforted by uh, obvious um, efforts to make sure that, um, you know, for example, the team wearing masks and things like that, we still, we still do that. Um, I think that uh, obviously if there is if there's more guidance, in a sense, we still have, and everybody in the industry still has, you know, health and safety obligations to uh, to to uh, the teams and uh, to public. So, uh, and that was reinforced last November by the government. It was kind of like quietly said, but it was nevertheless reinforced that uh, that that background uh, legislation still applies. Um, so I think that whatever guidance is given by government, whatever nudge unit is in operation, through, leaking through whichever channel, um, it still remains clearly director's responsibility to to uh, uh, carry on with whatever they think is appropriate um, and not wish to become um, some form of test case in the future on the wrong side of it. Um, I think I think it's 
you know, at the end, at the end of the day, you know, the reality is um, we would have closed our hotels. As it happened, it was on the same day as the government, but we, we were, you know, planning to close them a couple of days earlier. And the difficulty slightly was that you, until the government really said you have to close, you, there, were, there, there were people obviously who were saying, why are you bothering closing? This is just a cough. You know, anyway, and then 130,000 deaths later, 5 million people on NHS waiting lists, numerous tragic stories of people who have not been able to get um, what would have been normal attention in, in, the, in the NHS. You know, the, there's a, a whole load of stuff which I think is probably... I totally get the enthusiasm for us getting back up on our feet, but equally, I think we've also got to, you know, do 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 remain clear that there there's a wider societal, uh, the wider societal responsibility here, which hospitality can continue to play a role. I, I you know, I, I totally understand the pressure that businesses have all been under, um, and I totally understand the view that you could be over defensive, but I think it's still you know, it's still fundamental on us to be as responsible as, as we can. We have to make our own judgments to an extent, um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever we're being nudged to do. Mm. Don't agree more. Yes, very well said. Um, we, we'd like to talk to you a little bit about reputation and the importance that plays in drawing people towards your properties. Um, but we're going to park that for a minute because you mentioned Sugar Rush and we can't let this podcast go through without understanding how you get your sugar rush. Um, so good Scott, as you are, does this involve shortbread? We had David Bailey on who said, who said shortbread was his favorite biscuit. What is your favorite biscuit and why? Well, I always thought that shortbread was more of a butter delivery system. Oh, but yes. no, no, I guess it's both. Well, we, the, the, one of the more distressing aspects of uh, HQ here is that there's there's in, it's hidden in the boardroom. There's a little sort of wardrobe full of order uh, biscuits, and uh, I, I obviously ignore them uh, certainly on a Monday and a Tuesday if I can. Um, but there's no tonics, uh, no tonics caramel wafers, which would be probably quite oh. guilty. <gasps> yeah, and they're not in there, which is good. They're not in there, which is good. So I like an idea but, of a sort of a Narnia style wardrobe of biscuits. Yeah, you yeah. Can walk, I mean, the come to a better land. There are also some, there are also some chocolates in which, and I keep on putting the chocolates in the fridge, and people can't keep on taking them back out of the fridge. I think there must be a chocolate in the fridge or out of the fridge thing going on. Type category, which do you fall into? Mm. Mm. Interesting. On holiday, it depends on the chocolate. In, yeah, yeah. Dark chocolate on holiday, maybe in the fridge. Generally, don't not required. I don't know. I don't know. I had a I had a whisper at the gate. Um, when I was waiting to get onto the flight yesterday, because I thought, because obviously we don't have whispers, so that's like a thing you can get away with. Things you don't normally eat, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't chilled, and it was very squishy, and that did ruin the experience. Yeah, oh, that's mm. disappointing. Yeah, but normally I don't like the chocolate to be too chilled because then you, you don't taste it as much. Well, I think that debate will rumble on, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, actually, sorry, just the last one on that, but midget jets and sports mixtures, they've always been in the fridge, even though I don't think I've had them for a while. But it's been a Fair enough. Right, we'll have a whole other podcast on chocolate in the fridge or not. <laughs> on to more serious matters. Not that biscuits aren't incredibly serious and very important. Um, David, let's talk about reputation um, and the importance of it, how you... Um, kind of garner it how you keep it 
how you build reputation and sustain it. Why is it important? Discuss. Well, I think I think sort of from personal perspective, having come into the industry millions of years ago um, from a very much from the kind of customer perspective, guest perspective, really looking at what you experience, um, then you know you form your own opinions, obviously, about what you know what, what you think are good experiences or less good experiences, whatever. And I always felt that um, you know part a huge part of this is having people clearly happy to be part of the hospitality side of it. So people happy in their work as well as you know happy guests or customers. And so um, I've been kind of fortunate with that that it took so long to build up the company that I was first involved in founding. It took so long for us to do it that we kind of learned quite a bit uh, along the many years um, to sort of slowly build up, if you like, something which maybe the shorthand version of it today is really can be almost contained within one word because clearly reputation uh, is pretty much the only thing you can take with you. Um, and uh, it, is, it, is, it, it really does encapsulate everything that comes from you know, how, how, how are your team within, within the business and within work and how are the guests enjoying it? People's sense of trust, you know, you've got obviously clearly hospitality and hotels have always had kind of a fundamental un, unwritten, unsaid hygiene, hygiene factor, which is absolute prerequisite. So the sort of trust on those sides, trust coming from multiple things. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, um, when I think in 2003, when we opened a hotel at the time called City in Westminster, um, you know, that was really early days for TripAdvisor. And it was the first time that, if you like, um, your reputation with your guests could be ranked or was ranked. Um, and I think that's that's obviously to, today you've got better promoter scores, you have any number of um, you know, mass, masses and masses of very good data from reviews. Um, but I think it's still, it's still something that's, that's right, at, right at the heart of it is that, you know, fundamentally people are very willing to give their opinion as to really how they rate your reputation. And uh, so for us, it's a, it's been a long, long standing focus in the various things I've been involved in. Um, and it's absolutely great to have, um, such a good bunch of guys as part of building that uh, in the business that we're in at the moment. Absolutely. Do you think it's, um, so it impacts, I guess it touches all the different areas it, t- in terms of staffing, guests do, and is it increasingly from your uh, perspective, are you seeing it increasingly being factored into investment decisions? Well, I think it's it's one of the interesting things that everything that is measurable fundamentally at some point in time finds a way into um, these these decisions and should and should do. I think for 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 many people, perhaps historically, these things were, you know, what's more important? How many how many rooms you distribute? You know, how many rooms you've got in your pipeline? I mean, these are these are that's quite that's for quite a narrow audience. I think I think from the point of view of a guest, there is there is a very readily researchable, findable, comparable. Uh, way of looking at you know when you're making your decisions. So if you're making your decision as a guest to spend material amounts of money, disposable uh, after tax, whatever, then 
if you're an investor, you have to be interested in that. In fact, I think you have to be much, much more interested in it um, than many other aspects that uh, perhaps have been uh, almost more prominent as the metrics behind investment decisions. So um, it, it's, it, it's interesting territory. I think certainly because we've been through such, and well, we live in such an extraordinary time of you know incredible world events happening all the time, so many different areas. Then in amongst all of that, I think if if you are able to make sure that you pay attention to your, your, your reputation and understand that you know everything happens every day, everything changes every day. Uh, so you need to be as flexible and responsive um, as 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 needs. And uh, you know the pandemics, the pandemic has you know again uh, probably brought in um, heightened awareness and sensitivity to you know when you walk across a threshold into a premises at the moment you're there's multiple judgments almost instantly that you're making about a place. Before you get there, there's multiple judgments you'll be making depending on what you read. Um, so I think it's it's you know it's, it's crucial, and I think from you know encouraging people to join a, a a business, whether it's a stepping stone on a career to go to something else, or whether it's part of a chosen path, um, then clearly you want to, uh, as an employer, you want to be clearly engaged and open um, and supportive of 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 careers, and make sure that people are aware um, that you are. I think it's uh, you know, clearly uh, the maybe historically slightly more hierarchical approach to uh, pro- progress within the career in in our industry is just not going to wash. Um, you know, so I always really love the idea that you you encourage talented people to be part of the business, but but frankly, if they if they then feel that's just part of moving on to something else where you can be equally proud of your alumni when they, they go off and do something else really well, because you've hopefully been a, a good part of it. Um, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, and it's a big issue at the moment, clearly, is for all so many uh, aspects of post-COVID, post-Brexit, whatever, uh, it's going to be even more uh, even more relevant to, to be able to present yourself as as a, as a really good place to be. Do you think it could be part of the solution for this chasmic hole in the staffing of hospitality? Chasmic hole, very nice. Is chasmic a real word? I don't know. It I is think, now. I feel like I've just made it up. <laughs> yeah, you get where I'm going with this, though. There's a there's a there's a there's a, a bubbling issue. Chasmic. There's a <laughs> there's a dirty great big problem in uh in in staffing this fine sector of ours um could reputation and more emphasis on it be part of the solution potentially yeah i mean i'm not suggesting that we've got a monopoly on reputation clearly there's a lot of extremely good hospitality businesses there i think as a smaller business um though we 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 do want to if you like take our playing field with us wherever we go um so be 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 clear about emphasizing uh, that and we were very lucky. We've got some really super people who, who stayed right through the whole thing. I think that getting into uh, people coming back, I mean, clearly a lot of the problems that we're seeing um, are manifesting themselves now, but they've actually been happening over quite an extended period because really since March 2020, 
there's been any number of reasons why people, um, you know, you would have normal normal comings and goings in the sector, um, a, you know, a whole year, a whole post-school leaving or college leaving year hasn't been able to get into anything um, as well. So there's a lot, there's, uh, people haven't been able to get back into the UK who may even want to um, and that at the moment can't, can't make sense of it just now. Um, but I think that, you know, fun fundamentally, uh, the, 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 we can't influence these kind of geopolitical macro so macro and macron things we can't really we can't really but what we can what we can do is present ourselves the best we possibly can um at a, at a micro level and uh, so you know I'm, I'm i'm really pleased to know that we've got a number of positions that we're recruiting for at the moment um the guys are doing very well with that um and uh, you know we are still seeing it there are fewer people clearly fewer people uh, potentially coming in, but uh, you know, we'll, 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 maybe let's just sort of see where it ends up. So it has been a completely odd set of circumstances in the background. That's one way to describe it. Absolutely. Um, Catherine, any other sage words from you before we plough on with our little the questions that we ask all our guests? Um, no, I was quite cheered by the amount that people seem to be moving around now in airports and things, and uh, I'm interested to see where autumn will go but as as david mentioned we've all been amateur um <clears throat> doctors and whatnot over the last whenever and, and no one really knows where this is going so what, what impact there will be on travel as a result so it's just it's hard to say it would like it'd be like to i'd like to get back to that point where you could book things with some certainty because i think on on the one hand we're heading into a period where there seems to be obviously more vaccinations and and more testing and all that kind of thing which is good for travel but on the other hand you've got like a jaded 18 months of having booked things and seeing them cancelled and have to book things and it just after a while you think yeah you know what, I'm, I'm just gonna not book things <laughs> for a bit because i have all the i have all the vouchers yeah and i can't be bothered to keep track of what what I have said I'm going to do and then what's been cancelled and what I have re refund for, what I have vouchers for. Yeah, let's just not do it. And you can, so you can see that on the one hand, it's getting possibly easier to travel. On the other hand, there's possibly less appetite and people maybe be, you know, just a few months off from trying to travel around the place. <laughs> Certainly what's absolutely true is that within the, since effectively since the schools went back in, in England, so that's a couple of weeks later than Scotland, um, but the, uh, the since the schools have gone back, you know, our our domestic uh, bookings have increased very significantly, um, and that obviously will not be seen because what is booked today could be for some, several months in advance. Um, but actually, it is looking pretty encouraging for, um, I mean, certainly for the rest of September and for October, and there, there will be there will be things when, I mean, if there are major dents caused by you know, non-international uh, events not happening, say in late October or whatever, that kind of thing, then, then you know, I think that's what we'd be apprehensive about it. But it's it's certainly, in the in the very short term, it has become much busier. So um, there are, people are, are, one way or another, are booking and feeling a bit more confident about booking. That is reassuring to hear. That is good. Long may that rain. Absolutely. Um, okay, David, are you ready for the questions, as we like to call I, them? I, I haven't done my revision. I'm so sorry. It's absolutely fine. You've say what you just first thing that comes to your head. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're very rigorous here. <laughs> we 
Okay, when the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was? Well, not being in France, I didn't understand that particular thing. But uh, I think that the, 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 the first thing I, I did after my first AstraZeneca injection was endure an absolutely horrible Sunday and Monday after it. Because um, it really, it really hit me. Um, I'd actually had uh, COVID in, in December, um, so uh, so I was quite, I was slightly surprised that the when I actually had the the first vaccine that it hit me. But uh, no, it was a it was it was a sort of strangely eerie, childlike experience of being in the flu jab queue at school. And strangely less painful because um, they seem to have decided that it doesn't need to hurt anymore at the point of uh, impact. Um, so it was strange, a very strange feeling of elation for a short period of time. And uh, yeah, but then then immediately after felt pretty pretty ropey. Uh, but I think it was yeah, it, it, it suddenly brought it home that you know one way or another and globally scientists had to come up with multiple solutions, at least at vaccination level, which was great, really, really cheering. I think that the reality, though, that we've seen is that, you know, if it's 90% efficacious and you've got 60 million people, well, not 60 million adults in the UK, because that means 6 million people won't, won't you know, it may help, but it may not do. So it's still bloody serious. Absolutely. Um, just thinking about our beloved sector, what's the best thing about the hotel, hotel sector in your eyes? Well, I think I think that the uh, you know undoubt, undoubtedly it's it's when, when it's taken away from you, <laughs> then you really you really sense um, what you're missing. Perhaps not during the lockdowns itself, but when you start to get back out and start to bump into people again, and you know even. You know, just like that that thing out in Berlin at the IHIF, you know, just a sort of a bit of a sense. I mean, it was quite nice to go to Berlin when it was really warm and the city's absolutely gorgeous anyway. But, you know, when it's warm, it's a totally different experience to March. But um, being able to just have these random interactions as well as the ones that you organise and the, the, the fact that the, you know, the, the guys in, uh, you know, in Interconti, the, the guys who are working there were really positive about, you know, welcoming people back and it, and it, and it, it genuinely felt you know authentic um, you know the, 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 there was a there was a sense certainly there of uh, that the you know the, the personality within hospitality um, is, is is something that can cope with a huge amount of uh, adversity as well um, but uh, yeah it was just it was just very just very very nice to see the, the sentiment back it's you know, I think there's still a great deal of difficulty behind the scenes because at one level you could look at this and say from a sort of almost operational level that it's nice that everybody's happy and keen to be back together again. Underlying it uh, for a lot of the businesses, there are much more significant challenges which are, you know, huge debts racked up uh, during a time when you're not able to operate, you know, big implications for shareholders and owners, um, particularly the plight of tenants, um, where, you know, you've got a business, let's say, for example, a local restaurant that's been around the corner, as it were, for 35 years and has been a, you know, wonderful part of the community, but essentially is a daily trading business. When it gets starved from month after month and when, you know, the people who've been running it, you know, they are, they are effectively, they've 
burnt up their life savings paying off rent before the landlord gives them any concessions. You know, there's going to be some really, and there are already some really, really, um, uh, well, sad and, and actually completely unjustifiable uh, uh, situations happening at, as we speak. Um, so it's it's great to see the kind of guest facing, customer facing positivity. I think the you know reality is that there's an awful lot of stuff that still needs sorted out. And I noticed the UK hospitality was still talking about that actually today. That uh, there needs to be still some resolution as to what happens with rent because I think fundamentally our our businesses are daily trading businesses and they have been denied for lots of very good reasons. Effectively, as though they were requisitioned in a war situation, they have been denied the ability to trade for a very, very long period of time and you can't just switch it straight back on. Perhaps that's the answer to the next question. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if all the backdated rent were scrapped? <laughs> I was not making a personal plea on that. I think that the... I think that the um, I think the good thing about this, and I I don't think the opportunity has been uh, necessarily followed through completely yet, but the relevance relevance of the whole of our wider hospitality sector to the wider economy of, and the wider economies of the world, um, maybe has uh, come into some um, prominence over this time. I mean, clearly, once you have the ear of government, it's, well, what comes of that is obviously one thing. And uh, so you have a, an, a probably a bit of a dilemma for people who have got the ear of government as to be positive and sort of generous in praise when that is uh, deserved. Uh, and so, so many aspects are uh, deserving. That. But equally to remain independent enough to be able to to uh, make sure that um, the sector does get uh, the support and attention needs as it tries to rebuild. And particularly because of that kind of thing, we are not making inanimate objects. You know, this is daily trading of humanity and whatever. So it's a much more complicated thing perhaps in some ways than just shutting down a production line. It's not like the the cars that you, 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 once you start it up again, the cars and the planes, you know, will 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 be whatever they are. When you start hospitality up again, there's an awful lot more um, humanity to 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 work out and dislocations to work out. The daily trading of humanity. There is the title for this podcast. Oh no, dear! That sounds odd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about um, what happens next? What the industry needs now is. Well, I think I think it's I think definitely needs to now it's it's been heard. I think the industry needs to to press press on with ensuring that governments understand the importance of it. It's it's in so many many respects um, conversations about um, how you can regenerate remote parts of the country geographically. Well, there you go. You've had now talking about parts of the country are overwhelmed because there's a lack of infrastructure or whatever is causing challenges. But then, you know, there's the, you cannot offshore you cannot offshore tourism as such, or the experience of being whether whichever part of the the UK and and, and Ireland or whatever it's it's all it's an experience that um, cannot be uh, virtualized. So uh, it is also part of maybe the unique um, opportunity to recover. People will want to come and, and visit. Um, staycations may well be stronger for a period of time, but 
understandably, you want your own domestic population to be worldly and to travel around as well. You don't want everybody to be just sort of like recycling their own experiences in various parts of the UK. You want, you want people to travel. And obviously that needs to be done, you know, responsibly and in a, in a the, you know, more, maybe more managed way. But um, I think I think we've certainly had a, um, a incredible uh, experience of just what happens when you don't have a uh, hospitality industry or don't have it functioning, and uh, consequences will be for many years being experienced. So to wrap this up, then, and this is a question, not a statement. I'd like to think we've learnt from this. It'll be interesting to see the. Uh, the moves back to, if you like, pre-pandemic behaviour. There's, there's probably going to be quite a lot of, uh, you know, stuff is back to pre-pandemic, and whether that's trading numbers or <laughs> emotional positions or uh, where people are personality-wise. I mean, I think that the, the you know, the industry's got some very, very exciting uh, aspects to it, some very exciting personalities. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, having having said that, I think it's, it's also uh, very, very important that uh, you know we, we feel a keen sense of responsibility for for future generations. I mean, really, it really feels like there's there's quite a lot to do with that, uh, like one and a half to two years gap, and that's not just in our industry; it's right across. I mean, you, you hear it from friends, uh, kids, and whatever who are who've been basically online since they started, and uh, you know, there's only a certain amount. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not suggesting it's necessarily hubristic, but if if uh, you know an engaged leader in any business um, thinks that it's adequate just to sort of log on to Teams and give reassuring comments with the backdrop of the you know the the the, the fences keeping the acreage uh, intact, um, that's not really that's not really the right way. I think there's been there's been there's, there's quite a challenge, I think, for people of my generation to, uh, um, you know, actually make sure we really reconnect up the business, or, or will be seen to be obsolete. You know, there's, there's, there'll be, there'll be, uh, I think, younger generations who may think that the uh, performance of, the, of, 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 of some higher management level hasn't actually been that great over the period of time. I don't know. It's quite interesting to see. Interesting indeed. David, thank you so much for your time and insight and answers and biscuit chat, obviously. Um, It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Catherine, many thanks for your time too. Um, I don't know how you're going to... Thank you. This is time I could be spending in M&S buying stuffing. Uh, This is why we're hugely appreciative. We know how, you know, these decisions are are tough to make. Um, but we'll let you go now and go and panic buy whatever. I'm going to panic buy the nuts out of m <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go and do the things that you need to do on Spotify and the other one, review, subscribe, all that stuff. It all helps, um, and we very much appreciate your time. Thank you. Until next time. Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.